Hello, everyone. Uh, this is part two of my love story featuring Woody. Um, so we're just going to pick right up where we left off from the last video. And you guys are gonna, going to get a more in-depth understanding of who we are as a couple. And at, towards the end, we are going to answer couples questions that we got from Instagram. So I hope you guys enjoy this hour-long podcast. Sorry that we recorded for two hours and they both end up being over an hour long. But you guys are going to love it. Me and Woody listened to it as we were editing and we laughed at ourselves. Um, so I think you guys are going to laugh too and you're really going to enjoy it. So here we go. So like by May... You so April we were in Havasu. May the next month we're basically dating. Sister, at this, we're dating at this point because of how much we're hanging out yes. and doing stuff together. And we would go to meals just the two of us. And and I didn't even I, consider it dating. No, the other thing too is we started watching movies at each other's houses. Yeah. And then we kept falling asleep in each other's beds, and we would spend the night. Yeah. But we would just watch a movie and then fall asleep, and we were like, whatever, we're friends. But yeah. I knew deep down, I was like, man, this is really hard to not make a move because I'm super into this chick. Yeah. And now knowing, like, like not even you, holding hands, you guys. Like, we fell asleep next to each other in each other's beds at each other's parents' house for, like, two straight months before any kind of hand-holding happened. No kissing. Obviously, nothing more than kissing because if you're not kissing, you're yeah. kiss. So... I was just like, okay, this guy is either super slow to making a move or he's clearly not interested and is uncomfortable. And now I'm starting to overthink it. Like so, I thought, okay, am I just not getting the hint? Am I, am I friend zoned? So finally we were with your friend Marcus, which I had known previously from high school from our mutual friend, the girl. Yeah. yeah. And I hung out with that girl that we had mutual friends with and Marcus in high school, but during summertime because he was in summer school and I was in, he was in summer school to make up for grades. It doesn't matter. I was in summer school to get ahead for senior year. So I knew him from that and then I knew her from dance and so we ended up always hanging out during summer before senior year. So I had previously known him. So when he would come over to your house and I was there, one time before your sister's wedding in May, I said, Marcus, how do you know when a guy's into you and wants to date you? Because personally, I've never known until a move is made. And then obviously, if a move is made, then... I automatically know. I don't I either need to be told or shown. And while you ask him this question, I was sitting two feet away from him. Yes. And I was like, this is so obvious, but I'm still so nervous to make a move. <laughs> and I was so frustrated. And you wanted to butt in as Marcus was telling me. And I was like, no, 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 not you. You do not get to talk. And I was that direct with you. And Marcus still didn't understand. Did you ever tell Marcus? No, he understood because after you left, I was like, that was about me, right? And he was like, yeah, yeah, 
<laughs> like he was just trying not to make it awkward for me and be like, uh, he's into you. Like, why don't you guys just get along with it already? Yeah. And it, but it was March, April, and May, and I'm like, dude, three months of like stringing me along. I don't. I couldn't tell if you liked me or not, or if you were just being polite. I was so polite. It's You're I had too polite. I had no game with girls, and then I also thought that it was supposed to be like the movies where you were supposed to be a gentleman all the time, and I thought that you know you but weren't supposed to of... be direct. I I didn't think being direct would get me anywhere, so I wasn't. But but Zach was polite with me, and I never thought anything with me and him we were strictly yeah. friends and he would be a gentleman open my door or help me into the car we both had proper southern so upbringing. yes you both were the same gentleman like and i was like okay he's just another zach now but the sad thing is i like him but he doesn't like me yeah and so like a week later my my sister is getting married in the middle of may and she had told me, she said, I don't want you bringing a date to my wedding because you're probably not going to be with this girl forever. And I don't want some chick and all my pictures. And I don't want you spending your time with some girl. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And maybe two, three days before the wedding, my sister had come back. No, I think you town. gave me like five days. My sister uh, was getting married in California, even though she and her fiance lived in Oregon. And... She tells me, very short notice, five days or less. She says, hey, like two people are not coming. She was getting married on a boat, so it was like a cap. And she was like, three people aren't coming. We already paid for the meal. If you want to bring a date, you can. Make sure it's a nice person. And I turned around and texted you, like right no, away. No, no, no. You called me. And I was with my mom, and I answered the phone, and it was on speaker. And you invited me, and then my mom looked at me, and she was like, does his sister know that you're, he's inviting you right now? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, okay, where is it at? Like, when is it? What time? And at that point, all of, so my resolution for 2015 was say yes to everything. Yeah, we had the same resolution. Please. Yeah, so weird. So when you said, and it was five days, and I'm not the type of person... I mean, I'm starting to, because of, of dating you for the last six and a half years, I mean, being with you for six and a half years, not dating. We're, we're still married. dating. I guess we're dating each other still. But being together for six and a half years, you, your spon spontaneity, spot, spontaneity, yes, that word, is rubbing off on me, so I'm getting better. But back then, five years at, or not five years, five days before I a big event like a wedding I would have said no but because that was my resolution I said yes and I was freaking out especially because my mom was there and witnessed the phone call oh and, and I'm I was bringing like, you to an event with my whole family that's gonna be memorialized in photos and it's your forever. sister's wedding it's not your cousin's and I, and I was in the wedding so it's not like I was gonna be with you the entire time you were gonna be alone a bunch Okay, I didn't think of that yet until, like, the day before, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, who am I going to hang out with? And I had known Sam, your, one of your best friends. Yeah. And I was like, okay, hopefully, like, I see him as soon as, like, I get shuttled to the boat, and then I can just, like, hold on to him the whole time until you're freed up from the wedding. Yeah. 
And luckily, I get on the bus, and Sam's right there with his parents. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are the chances? Perfect. But I was freaking out because I'm the type of person, I have my outfit planned out a month ahead of all of events. Like, I, like... November, I know what I'm wearing for Christmas. In December, I know what I'm wearing for Christmas or for New Year's Eve. Like I have outfits planned out always a month ahead back then. And I asked you to go buy a new dress. And you said, I said, how nice is this wedding going to be? And you said, well, I'm sure you told me what the bridesmaids are wearing, like short dresses. And I was like, I know boat weddings are freezing. I need a long dress. So I went to Marshall's. This is my go-to place for last-minute dresses for events. I found this tank top, but long, like, floral black dress. And I always said I would never wear black to a wedding. And I ended up wearing black to your sister's wedding. But the flowers were purple. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I incorporated some color. But, yeah, I was like, I loved the dress, but then I hated it at the same time. I looking back, I look like I'm just wearing a tank top. You sent me like two or three pictures of a dress, and I think I told you which one I liked. Yeah, you picked the dress that I ended up getting. But yeah, and then I was like nervous the whole time. Sam, I didn't understand his humor right away. That's when he lost his glasses in the ocean, and it was like two days after he got these expensive sunglasses. That was hilarious. And he's like, "Oh my gosh, my sunglasses are gone!" And I look at him, and I'm like. What? I just like slid you... out of his shirt pocket when he was looking out over the boat. Yeah, and I was like, you were wearing sunglasses? And he was like, they were in my pocket. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> and so I felt bad because I didn't even like realize what was happening. Yeah. But the boat was like three levels, right? Mm-hmm. And it was so tight and kind of uncomfortable. Because, like, you don't realize how small a boat is until you've been on it for, like, a couple hours. Her wedding was max 80 guests, I'm pretty sure. No, that's how big her wedding was. It was 85. 86. Yeah, but I'm saying max capacity but was on 80 that boat, on the boat. I was like, oh, and my it was gosh. Full. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is really tight. And then, let's fast forward. We had lots of champagne. Oh, yeah. Your, I, I got to find the video I took of you saying the speech, because I recorded your best man. No, it wasn't even best man. You were just the brother of the bride Mm -hmm. speech. And I remember holding my phone, recording you, and being like, this guy is so funny, so good looking. That speech was 100% off the cuff. I was so proud to be your plus one and be your date for that night. But I was like, I feel like I'm still being friend zoned. Yeah, so so we, I just kept drinking champagne. You kept drinking champagne. I kept drinking champagne because I knew that was the night where I was like, I asked her to be my date. And so this is technically like a date, you know, it, like it wasn't like, hey, do you want to hang out and get dinner? It was like, hey, be my date at this wedding. So I was nervous. You were nervous. I knew that I really liked you. So we both started drinking and I remember we were dancing and one of my neighbors my like childhood neighbors came up to me like a a parent and they were like hey just wanted to say hi we haven't talked in a few years and they were like i can tell you uh you really want to be with this girl and you're trying to kiss her right now so i'm just gonna leave (laughs) and she was like okay bye and you were like what did she say and she was like oh she said that i want to kiss you and you were like what and then i just went for it it was just so loud you went in for the kiss and you know like 
It was like if the something first was being kiss. thrown at you, you automatically close your eyes. It was I like the... automatically closed my eyes, and then I realized you kissed me, and I was buzzing hard off champagne. And so I was like, and I could feel like the imprint from your kiss. It was like the first kiss in the movie Elf when he just goes in really fast and yes. kisses like the corner of her mouth. Yes. So and, he like. And you legit said the same line. You were like, you missed. missed. Do you want to try that again? And I was like, yes, very much so. So then you actually go, like you got both of my lips. The first time you like kissed the top lip and the corner of it. And I was like, what just happened? Yeah. Like, I immediately was, like, so happy and over the moon, but I honestly was, like, drunk enough to be direct enough to be, like, you missed. And it actually came out, and I didn't intentionally want to be, like, rude, and it wasn't rude. It was cute. Yeah. And honestly, I don't remember if we, like, kissed more on the boat. I, I don't feel. think we did. I don't I think, think we did, because it was, it was basically at the end of the night. Like, we were on our way back to the dock. Yes. But you had kissed me. I said you missed, then you re-kissed me, and it you made it on both of my top and bottom lips. Yeah. And then I was on cloud nine. We have that photo of me grinning from ear to ear. My eyes were so closed because I was so happy. I was yeah. like squinty-eyed, happy, smiley girl. And we were dancing, and then we got off the boat, and I was like, this feels right. Like, finally... It feels right. Yeah. And we went out. But I was scared. We went out after my sister's wedding. Because it was one of my best friend, Haley, her 21st birthday. It was her exact 21st birthday. Yeah. And she was home from Indiana because she so went to school We in went Indiana. to Newport. I wasn't 21 yet. So I was hanging out with Sam outside of the bars while you, Haley, yeah. and Nolan were going from bar to bar. And I remember... I would stand with you in the line to get in the bar and we'd like kiss a few times and then you'd go into a bar and then come back out. We didn't we'd stay stand in the in bar line. very long. And then and then we all went down to the water. Nolan got buck butt naked. <laughs> naked. And ran into the I ocean. I saw Nolan's butt and I was like, no. This and is the guy that. somehow that turned into us being alone on the beach where we had our first makeout session yes. and got sand in all of the places. Yeah, because you were carrying me on your back, and then you were going to let me down, and then I grabbed your face, and we were making out, and then I just, like, we fell into the sand. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is the first time I've ever had sand in my butt crack. It was a great <laughs> makeout full, session. being fully clothed. <laughs> it was a great, great makeout session. Mm. and So much sand. Yeah, so then, then we, went we went back, back to, Nolan's, to Nolan's house, and we all were drinking, swam in the swimming. pool, drank a little bit more, and then I was like, "Let's go make out in a bedroom." And, and you were like, I was "Let's starving. get a snack." I was starving. I so we had snacks. some charcuterie, and then we kissed for like four seconds. You were like, "Tastes like meat and cheese." I'm not into it, <laughs> and you passed out. And I was like, "Well, that was a can't good argue with that ending, I guess." <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's literally the funniest story, and now everyone knows, and I'm so happy that everyone knows, because it's the, the best story ever. Yeah, and then, so, I'm still afraid of being used, though, and I didn't so, want no, it no, to No, 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 wait, we sober up, we yeah, go fa back fast to forward life. A, fast forward a few days, Um, I was like, okay, now that this is a real thing, like, I don't think we hung out, like, at all the next week, like, 
we didn't hang out we just talked we just talked to each other on the phone yeah but we didn't talk see each or other. text yeah and, and then it wasn't like how we were seeing each other every other day three times a week four yeah. times a week it was like a good chunk of time had gone by like a full week and then we hung out the next and then Saturday. i was like what are we doing what's happening here and you said that you were like hey do you want to go for a hike and i was like Ugh, outdoor activities <laughs> but i was like yeah sure and that's when we really got to know each other because we were alone like got into like the deep questions deep like of like are you gonna our, be serious? Our, like what's your family about what's your family about uh what's what are you looking childhood? for in a relationship like what, what were some things in your childhood that, all that like, stuff messed you up because like i feel like when you date someone or you're starting to date someone the best questions to ask are what in your childhood scarred you because then you can better understand how someone might react to something in the future so yeah. like you would understand like abandonment issues or maybe jealousy of some type you would pick on up on that very quickly by someone answering that question so we got deep on like our living arrangements as kids because we both came from broken families and I was like I always told I didn't tell everyone this but like I when I got to know someone and I felt safe enough to tell them my broken childhood uh, life on how like my parents were together but were never married my mom loved him but he was here and there and a player and that's not what I want and that was at the point in my life where I was like I gotta be direct I have to say what I want and what I don't want and what I don't want was to end up the same way falling in love with someone having a family only to then break up the family that I created for my kids yeah and we both had that same thing yeah we, we both didn't want to get divorced we both wanted, we wanted to, to find, find a love. person yeah. yeah and get married and no matter what if we got married we would make it work and we both put out scenarios like oh but what if someone cheated and you were married to them what would happen how would you react or say you grow apart because you always hear these stories of parents getting married falling in love at a young age and getting married and then starting their own family and by the time their f kids like my my mom had to deal with her parents getting divorced when she was in high school yeah so we brought up that scenario like if you were married what would you do in that situation would you fight for it would you sleep in a separate bedroom would you move out would you fight would you go to counseling and we both had the same values and morals and wants yeah we realized that we connected on way more levels than we thought previously yeah and it was like a whole different yeah, level. that's when i knew that i was like okay i gotta lock this chick down and at the end of that date somehow after not seeing you for a week and having that crazy great makeout session at the end of the previous saturday I don't think I kissed you at all the whole day until we're like back at my house. You were getting in your car and you're like sitting there with the door open, just putting on lip Chapstick gloss. Chapstick or lip gloss, yeah. And, and, and I just kept putting it around and my you're lips like, you're like, and around my 
it reminded me of a uh, what's that episode in Drake and Josh when she's like, "It's apricot," and I, I was don't like, remember that. Uh, "Apricot," <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, she's trying to tell me to kiss her," and yeah. I went in and was like, "Okay, there you go." Uh, when our kids you. are about to start that phase in their life where they have their first kiss, we are going to have the best stories. Like, I'm going to have the best tactics. Just keep putting on chapstick and stare at him. Just eye contact with the chapstick. Yeah. I was, we'll it was so obvious. It. And I, it took me, like, like 10 seconds doesn't seem like a long time. 10 seconds of putting on chapstick is a long-ass time. <laughs> Just to be staring at someone. She was like, hurry up, bro. Yeah. I was like, okay. So, I'm going to go now. Uh, Yeah. And... I don't know. Fast that forward. Fast May forward 22nd. like another. Fast forward like another two or three weeks. We had you know gone on a few more dates and you know we had kissed more. And way more. Yeah. Um. I came over one time. We and we went to another like little wedding together. Yeah, it was a courthouse wedding in L.A. And by like the f- end of the first week of June, you know, we'd been officially dating. We were official, but we, were we weren't o- like, yeah. this is my boy. I wasn't calling you my boyfriend. Yeah. We were like officially dating for like two weeks, three weeks. And I like remember bringing it up to you and I was like, I was like, I got to lock this shit down. And you I was basically like, were defining the relationship I, yeah. that I had a title and you had a title. And I was like, mm, can I call you my girlfriend and can I this was, can this be for sure exclusive? And can I put it on Facebook that my relationship status has changed? <laughs> and you were like, mm, I use no. my Facebook for business. And I was like, mm, you're 21. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make it official on Facebook. And if you don't do it back, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> yeah. And it was like a 20 minute conversation in front of the girl who had just had her courtroom like wedding ceremony. And I was like, I don't think we should be talking about this right now. And you were like, no, I need to know. And so I w- talked to her in her kitchen and I was like, hey, by the way, he's trying so hard to like get me to agree to be his girlfriend. And then she goes, why don't you just call Woody your boyfriend? Like, I don't understand what the problem is. And I was like, dude, you're supposed to have girl code. This was a private conversation. Now you're talking all loud. And then I was like, fine. But really, I was like, so happy. But I was trying to be like, because I had been hurt so much. Yeah. That I was like, I don't want to get too hyped about it because nothing has ever lasted. Yeah. So I was like, okay. I was trying to be a cool girl. But yeah, and then that's, I think that's basically. But then I let you in. That's basically how we fell in love. I, I feel like we both. We it was both, a long time coming. Yeah. Because we, <laughs> like Three I Three years in the making. We, Five years We in the dated making. without actually being exclusive to each other and actually dating each other for like three months before. We were sleeping in each other's bed all the time. So that made it really weird when we started making out and we were still like sleeping over at each other's parents' house. And then our parents were like, is this more than what it was before? Because I don't know if I'm comfortable with it now with you guys sleeping over all the time. And we were like, no, we're still not doing anything. It's fine. Yeah. We we didn't hook up yet. But we were. We took it extremely slow. Okay. Your definition of hookup is different than actually hooking up i think hooking up is sex 
every gay man and woman knows that hooking up means sex, whereas straight men think hooking up is making out. Making out is making out. Hooking up is having sex. We were not hooking up. We were still just making out and sleeping over at each other's house at that point. We don't need to go into any more details, but it took us from 16 years old to then 21 yeah. to finally say to each other that we like each other. I think we, we define the relationship like a week before my 21st birthday at the end of June. No, no, no. We did it at the wedding, which was the third. The courthouse. That's when I was like, okay, fine. But then we were like full on in a relationship by your birthday, which was the yeah. almost the last week of June, the 25th. Yeah. But, and then that's like the story just goes on and on. There's way more detail in there because it's been six and a half years since May 22nd when we first made it official that we first made it clear to each other that we weren't interested in any funny business on that hike. Yeah. But the third was boyfriend and girlfriend, but we don't consider that our dating. We consider our dating anniversary as May 22nd, the date that we were completely 1000% honest with each other. It was the first, it was the first time that I asked you out on a date. Yes. Just the two of us. I asked you to be my date to my sister's wedding. But the first time I said, Hey, do you want to go out? And meant it as a date was the weekend after. Yeah. And that's how we fell in love. Obviously, we fell in deeper love as the years went by. There was, after three years of dating, you moved to Oregon in Mm -hmm. 2017. And we spent nine months apart. Not straight, but you were just, we were just living in different states. We went from living nine minutes away, driving. To then, straight shot down apparently Valley Apparently, we both went 60 miles an hour down Valley View to each other's house. So fast. <laughs> but it was always green lights by the time we would go to each other's houses. Anyways, we went from living nine minutes driving to living two hours plane ride for n- nine months of our relationship in the smack dab middle of where we started and where we are right now. And you, the plan was, I had already started my master's degree in October of 26, no, 2017. You had planned like three months into me, this is December of 2017, we went on a trip to Seattle. It was like 10 days that we were there. And that's when you were like, no, I'm actually going to be moving to Oregon And I was sad because I wanted to be with you the rest of my life. We had known this for the first year of dating that we found each other's person. We just didn't know how we were going to get there exactly. And by December, you had told, like, I thought you were like, I'm going to move there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, you're going to move there. But you were like, no, I'm going. And I immediately was sad. That trip was so sad for me. I like don't want to cry right now because it was so sad for me because I was losing my person. We were spending 24 hours a day for what, eight days? 
or seven days we were there for eight a to long ten time. days i can't yeah. remember exactly it was from the day after christmas to the second of january yeah so that was when we were having conversations of like where's our future going which you shouldn't really do on a trip but we did and we were trying to have fun at the same time and experiencing new locations as a couple we were that was our first a huge trip I think together. Both of us were fully committed to it being a long distance, but I remember that I was moving to Oregon because I was going to go finish my degree, and the school had said that they were going to accept me. And Then you got there, and they didn't. Yeah, and I remember talking to you about it before and was like, hey, do you think you would want to move out of, out of California? Because we were talking about where we would want to raise kids. And you were like, yeah, I, I could see myself moving out of California, and my family was already moving up and was living in the Portland Northwest area. So I was like, let's try it out. And if we don't like it, we can move back. And I said, but I'm going to go up there now while you're finishing your master's. I'll find a place for us to live. And when you're done, you can move in with me. And I got a job really quick and I was thoroughly enjoying that. So I ended up staying. And I was in my master's program already four months in. And I said, okay, and this was on our Seattle trip. I was like, you go, you plant down roots, and by September of 2018, we will then discuss how I'm going to move and meet you there. Yeah. And then three months into my new job, they were like, hey, we're actually closing down our Portland branch, and we'd like to uh, move everyone to San Diego. So if you're down, let us know. And I remember calling in and was like, hey – should I stay up here and find a different job or do you want to move to San Diego? And you were like, I thought I liked Portland, but I've been up there three more times and I saw it snow and rain a bunch and I hate Portland. And it's so cold. So we moved to San Diego. We moved to San Diego two we- two weeks after I had graduated from my master's degree, September of 2018. So we ended up doing what we planned, which was moving in together the second I was, well, maybe not the exact second, but as soon as I was done with my master's degree, we were going yeah. to move in together. That was our goal from Seattle trip almost a year later, which w- it w- ended up being like 10 months later. Yeah. And now I was unemployed because I had left my LA job. You had, you transferred and kept your job that was in Oregon is now in San Diego which a lot of people don't realize, San Diego is cold. It was like just as gloomy and rainy and cold as it would have been in Portland. That was It was a weird year in San Diego, though. It was unusually rainy that year. Okay. It was, I was like, everyone says San Diego yeah. is so sunshiny and warm. It's so cold all the time. It was unusually rainy, but... Uh, the two years that we lived there, it was unusually cold and rainy and i was like okay san diego is not for me i want to go back to orange county i either want to go somewhere where i know it's going to be cold and rainy and not be misled or go back to what i'm used to and i was desperately needing to go back to our house home roots like back to where we grew up we might not have grown up together but we're the same city that we grew up in. We know the same streets. Yes. So when COVID hit in March of 2020, 
we moved back to Orange County and it was the best six months ever. We had so much fun, both unemployed, unfortunately. But making 2500 a month. <laughs> or. It was more than that. Four grand a month on unemployment. <laughs> oh my gosh. But it was just like a time where, and we had gotten engaged in San Diego. Yeah, I was about to say, are you just going to gloss over Sorry, that point when I we forgot. got engaged? I was, I was just say, like excited to get to present day. I was going to say, when we moved to San Diego, I remember you immediately, like within like two weeks, because you were home, not doing anything, you were like, we need to get a cat. I want a cat because we both loved cats. And I remember thinking, I was like, mm, this is this is a pivotal time in our relationship when we're living together and we're spending a lot of time together. And I want to make sure that we're good, just the two of us. Yeah. And so I told you that we had that you had to wait a year before we could get a cat because I wanted which to, was a good idea. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that like because I had not I wanted all of your attention when we moved in together. <laughs> I didn't want like to come home and you'd be like, oh, I can't get up because the cat's on my lap and I love it. And um, I love you, too. But, you know, you can do stuff for yourself. And you wanted me to cook for you. And clean the house and be almost a wifey without the ring or the title. Yeah. And I had had like half the money saved up for the ring. But we ended up waiting for like a year. And then we got our cats. And I... You already had my ring. I had had your ring for like two and a half months. And I was like... Wait, can we slow down for a second? Yeah. So when we moved in together... Or not even when we moved in together. When we first started dating, like I think it was like August. So we had your birthday. You were finally 21. And then by August, you were in this funk. And we started as normal relationships go. You start arguing because you want to keep your own independence and you want to keep your own voice that you had before dating and being in a relationship yeah i thought it was you said i thought it was gonna end and just be a summer relationship yeah and i said no i'm committed to you i see myself being with you long term i didn't want to say i wanted to marry you because i don't want to freak you out but you took me ring shopping yes because you were in such a weird funk and I was like, here's the test, ladies. And a lot of people thought I was crazy. But a guy previously that I had dated two years prior to us starting dating, he took me into a ring shop and I freaked out. I immediately got weird. I was weirded out and our relationship ended right away. So I was like, you know what? He's in a weird funk. I can't read him. He's not communicating with me. I'm going to do that same thing. I want to see what happens. Just like reverse the story. So I took you. You immediately changed your whole entire outlook on everything. Like you went from negative Nancy to happy-go-lucky guy. And I was like, okay, this guy's not afraid of commitment. Maybe he's just being a little insecure because he's thinking that now that it's I end had, of summer i had no money i had uh, like a really bad job and you were not a expensive date but you weren't a cheap date either i had my moments and, and I, I was cheap i was yes you were cheap <laughs> and 
but you don't have experience with taking women out on dates so you didn't realize that that was just normal i was but, paying for all my own stuff i was paying for my own school my car my gas rent yeah. it was a lot and then taking me out on dates yeah but what i was trying to do was test your commitment and you then said i i maybe like one or two months after that i said I finally had said to you, and I think we finally said I love you to each other. And I said, I see this long term. I see myself marrying you. Obviously, not enough time has gone by, but like, what are your thoughts on it? Because I don't want to be wasting my time. We constantly brought up that in our first six months to a year because we both didn't want to waste our times. We both didn't want to waste another person's time. And we were strictly dating to find our person. So you had told me I would like to date for a full year before considering proposing. And I said, like, that's fine. I just want to know. And you said, but I need to know who you are in all seasons. Meaning who I am in summer, who I am in winter, who I am in spring all of those because fall. people change fall is the last one there's fall. only four whatever spring summer fall and winter whatever fall doesn't count it's like two months but what i'm saying is in orange, people ca- change. In orange county summer and winter blend very with quickly <laughs> just two weeks of mild in between yes i wouldn't consider fall as a holiday although or it was a season 95 in november this year so kind of went from summer to winter to summer to winter (laughs) um but you said to me and i want to take that to our kids when they start dating and start taking it seriously is you really need to understand someone in all seasons because there are some people like myself when it gets darker sooner when it's cold my depression starts peaking or like me when it's too damn hot you can't handle hot so your bad attitude starts peaking when it's like july i get cranky if it's over 80 yeah (laughs) but yeah no i i never understood (laughs) uh how people would be like oh i'm madly in love with this person we've been dating for three months and i bought a ring and i'm like that's a great story great for you Hope you guys are getting married in two years. And they're like, no, we're getting married in two in weeks. Six months. And I'm like, oh. so you're going to be dating and married in less than a year. And I was like, that's crazy. Because I saw so many people that would date for like five years and then break up. And I'm like, that's crazy. And I was like, I don't think you need to date for five years before you know, like, I think if people are going to break up, they kind of know after like two years. And so my plan was to date you for at least one full year, get to know you in all four seasons, and then and then propose, and then wait another full year to get married so that we could be engaged for a full year, have full time to plan, not be rushed on anything, and then... And then we could be married and live the rest of our lives together. Uh, after dating you for a year, I still didn't really have the money to buy you a ring. 
So I was like, mm, I'll just wait a little bit longer. And there were some things that happened in our second year of our relationship where it made me question whether or not we were supposed to be together. Uh, but after looking at a bunch of my friends' relationships and uh, family and stuff, I was like, you know, every girl is crazy. Yep. And I just have to decide whether or not I'm okay with the level of crazy that Brittany is. And I looked at some other girls that I was like, well, I have pretty high standards as far as looks go, and Brittany is pretty high up there. Uh, can I find another girl that's as pretty and as smart as Brittany is who's not going to be crazier? And I said, probably not. Uh, so I doubled down, put everything into you, and then that's why we lasted in a nine-month long-term relationship, long-distance relationship, and how we made it through some tough times in San Diego and made it through postponing our wedding after getting engaged uh and doing covid and stuff and i think that's about it this saying goes if you know you know don't make excuses to make it into that saying don't make your relationship make sense in that way when you know you know it's a feeling. It's not anything you need to explain. It's something you can't describe. It's that one feeling where you're like, I cannot live with this person. I cannot live without this person. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I always didn't like when people are like, oh, like, don't force it. And like, you shouldn't have to force it. But at the same time, like, there's plenty of struggles and stuff that yeah. came up. It's where not... Where I was like, I'm pretty Rainbows. much done. And I know there was moments where you were like, this guy sucks. I'm pretty much done. And then usually something traumatic would happen. And we would be like, okay, I'm really upset if that person is going to do something like that. Or like something happened to them. And then we would be like, okay, I'm really sorry about what I said. We're back together. And please don't ever leave me again. And I love you. And it only you're happened my person. twice. And it was the f within the first year. Because we both were terrified of either being friend-zoned or not enough or that this isn't going to last. We were afraid of it lasting and not working because of how we grew up. We just were terrified of repeating history. And so I think, I mean, the best advice that I can give to someone when they ask me, how do you know when they're the one? It's when... You can't go a single day while mad at that person and not talk. I could be so livid with you, but still need to talk to you and we still work it out. Yeah. And I was going to say, um, I can be pretty quiet sometimes and lock away my feelings, but there'll be times when we're mad at each other and like a few hours goes by and someone I'll, always apologizes no not even that like no but that's I'll, true yes right? no it's true but like there'll be a time like when we're mad at each other and i'll go into another room and you know i'll turn the tv on or something and be like whatever i'm not going to talk to her for the next day and i hate her and she's annoying the crap out of me and then i'm watching tv or something and i'm like that reminds me of a great memory we had and then i feel bad and i think 
I think that's kind of a sign is like you might be mad at them from like a, even like a few hours but like when I'm mad at you I still think about like how much fun we have together yeah so I'm like mm. and what did you say to me last night that was like literally the cutest thing ever you were like you want to do it no <laughs> not that last night you were telling me you were saying how someone in our life right now is separating and, and I was you asked him I was saying but you asked him how what's the percentage of like fighting to getting along and it wasn't a good percentage he he said like 85 or 90 percent of the time we're great and 10 10 percent of the time we're bad and I was like hmm, what percent of the time are Brittany and I good and bad and I was like you know we're good like 99.5% of the time and like 0.5% of the time we're upset with each other. And I think that's the way it should be. Like if you're more than 1% of your time together is spent like bickering or like being upset with someone, like that's the kind of thing we're like, mm, yeah, like don't force it. But like if you argue and then, you know, a short amount of time goes by and you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm sorry about what I said. You're sorry about what you said. Let's move on. Like, that's the kind of thing where, like, you might in that moment be like, hmm, is this really worth it? Do I want to deal with this for the rest of my life? And then, I don't know, I always just took a step back and was like, is this actually important or is this really stupid? And 99.5% of the time, it was really stupid. And the 0.5% of the time that it wasn't stupid, we were able to at least come back together, sit down, talk about it, and move through it. I will say, though... But our bickering is mostly, like, no feelings to it. It's, like, the stupidest... Art. We're, we just bicker. Yeah, it's will, not fighting. That's what I was going to say. Is a lot of people, I think, who know us really well and have spent a lot of time with us will be like, you guys kind of argue a lot. And like I said, we argue about stupid stuff like Brittany misspelling a word or mispronouncing thing <laughs> or saying drowning and me saying it's <laughs> drowning. And then her saying, why do you always correct me? And I say, because drowning is wrong. And I don't like to hear you pronounce things incorrectly. He always says, I don't want you to sound dumb in front of people and then go, why did she just say that word incorrectly? That's not how you. And I'm like. Woody, no one is thinking that. They're not even picking up on that. They understand my lingo. Even though I grew up my whole entire life, ask my mom. She says drowning just the same as I say drowning. I never knew it was drowning. Wrong. It's wrong. I know it's wrong and you're very smart, but it's one of those things that I'm I used to get so mad about you correcting me in front of people. And that's a stupid. I understand. And I I try so hard, but but I can't. It literally is funny. Like, I'm no longer mad at you for correcting me in front of people. Now I'm like, I think it's funny that I don't know how to say certain words. I think it's okay. Even though maybe someone learning the English language don't learn from me because i say words wrong all the time it's true and i just keep saying them you know and you keep correcting me and i go 
you can keep correcting me. I'm still going to say it wrong because I personally think I'm hilarious for continuously messing up the word because I think it's funny that I just can't get it because I grew up saying drowning. (laughs) Yeah, so I think that helps, though, that we do bicker. Yeah, we bicker, we don't fight. And then when we do fight, it's it's usually behind behind the scenes we usually try to remove everyone around us if you think we're arguing in front of you it's actually we're bickering in front of you and if we're fighting you will never know because we do it behind closed doors yeah either we'll leave and we figure it out within the same hour of fighting and that's what we learned in premarital counseling we learned how to communicate And that's one advice that I would give couples if you are engaged or even dating. Like, I feel like if we did it during like year two or three when you were, when right before we moved in, we should have done it. We should have done premarital counseling like right after we got engaged, not right before we were supposed to get married. Yeah. I think we we got lucky the fact that our wedding was postponed because we had like a whole extra year to think about our counseling, which was great. Yeah. Um, I definitely think premarital counseling should definitely be either before marriage and not be considered marital counseling. I think it should just be couples counseling. Oh, like, I think, I think it should, should be have, highly encouraged. You should more. have to bring in, like, a, a certificate when you go to the county to get your marriage license. <laughs> like, how when you go to the, uh, the call it the DMV to get your driver's license and you have to show that you did the behind-the-wheel driving class and you have a permit with the instructor yeah, yeah, yeah. like you it should be harder to yeah. get married you should have to prove and be like yeah we yeah. passed this course it doesn't have to be a religious one but like there should be a course we that, did a religious one but is, it wasn't so as religious yeah. as we thought it would i mean be. hopefully there would be something where you could do it for like i don't know like 50 bucks or something and even just do like a personality quiz online yeah and then just be like because our counseling just to like sum it up really quickly was it was a both man and woman and the reason that they did it the way that they did it and it was through a church that we went to in san diego but it wasn't very religious it was the counseling wasn't religious the the counseling wasn't religious but they brought up things like these are certain things that weigh on a relationship and on a marriage and one of the things was, I mean, there's like so many different topics in the marriage counseling, but they taught us how to communicate when fighting. They yes. taught us how to communicate when something wasn't to our standard. More than just the typical therapist thing of like, I feel and I feel like the I statements. It was it was more in depth than that. Yeah. And the personality quiz, like, they said to us, the reason there was a man and a woman was because they said in traditional counseling, if a man is just solo as the counselor, they are typically known for taking the man's side and vice versa. If a woman was the counselor, it would take the woman's side. So this is the way they worked it out. And I highly recommend going to premarital counseling if you're having any type of issues in your relationship and making sure a man and a woman counselor are involved because it really helped 
me learn a woman's perspective and a man's perspective on what the needs are in a relationship. Yeah, same. It was helpful to hear from both a man and a woman because there was there was stuff where I was like, I feel this way. What do you think? And the you know the male counselor was like, Yeah, that, I agree with that. And the female counselor was immediately like, mm, You're wrong. And you were sitting there and you were like, You're wrong. And I was like, Oh, so two for two. Hmm. So she should, okay. She should be right. <laughs> she is right on her feelings because another woman is feeling the same way. But one of the things that I think people don't consider in premarital counseling and they just have this like stigma is that it's just one thing you have to do before getting married whereas they told us do you remember after the personality quiz they said we do the personality quiz first to see if you guys are actually compatible and then we listen to your stories and your relationship story and what's going on in your relationship that might be going wrong that you guys aren't communicating well and they said most of the time they will tell the couple that they shouldn't get married and that I remember being like you actually tell people this is probably not the way to go and you guys should probably not get married I was like completely shocked how honest they were oh yeah but and that's good like if you're a spouse like can you imagine if we went into it and they said um you guys probably shouldn't have gotten married but then they looked at our test and they said you guys are the one of highest the most, scoring couples and they one of the most compatible couples we've ever seen in the 20 years of doing counseling and you and i high-fived and we we're like hell yeah <laughs> And all the things that I wanted to give and all the things I wanted to take were all the things that you wanted to take and all the things that you wanted to give. And it matched up perfectly. And that's our love story to sum it up in literally two hours. But it was... You're welcome for making a brief. Yeah, (laughs) it wasn't brief. But I mean, we're trying to pack six and a half years into this podcast. But, you know, being reassured, I know a personality test doesn't we didn't need it because we knew we were each other's person but having that outside factor coming in and saying you guys are the top like scored couple that we've ever seen like we've never seen a couple more compatible and we both were a hundred percent honest in what we wanted that first date yeah may 22nd 2015 we were ourselves alone on a hike and we just unloaded family drama what we hated in our childhood what we would never do to our own children what we wanted in a marriage and what we weren't going to settle for in a marriage and then we saw that proof in the test which we didn't really need but i think it also helps that we were both cat people. I just want to point that out. <laughs> if you're in a relationship and you're a cat person and your partner is a dog person, good luck. <laughs> no, we we grew up with dogs and cats. Love dogs. And now we have two cats as a couple. Just realized I never really want to own one again. <clears throat> and my mom <laughs> has her dog. And you guys have heard on old podcasts that her dog is a lot of energy 
me and Woody watched that dog for two days and we both decided that we are not dog people and it took us 27 years to realize this because I always thought dogs were cute I knew they were high energy but I was like you know I'm gonna have to just find the right dog for me you know you find the right person for your life that matches your personality I had found you and now I was like okay now I gotta find the right dog for my personality but it turns out we are not dog people so I'm gonna turn to our questions um like I said in the last episode if you didn't listen um we are going to ask you guys or have you get guys have the opportunity to ask us a question before we record any podcasts we have quite a bit of questions to answer and I specifically said that we were going to be on a solo podcast um without mama on it so even though I'm not a Sutherland girl I still get to answer questions yes so you still get to answer questions so um I'm only gonna pick out a handful let's keep these short because we're approaching the two hour mark okay this first one says what should you do if your fiance's mom is still talking to his ex-girlfriend and wants her in her life (laughs) uh i would have a conversation with your fiance and have him talk to his mother and lay down the rules boundaries i would also consider i don't know uh, this one's weird i would consider having him reach out to his ex-girlfriend and be like hey you need to stop talking to my mom it's weird i'm engaged and we're not a thing anymore because when that dude that you were still semi-dating when we were first started to hang out yeah, and he would text and me happy he would birthday, like, and that was very Yeah, he would, like, text you or Snapchat you. Yeah. And you were like, I've told him I'm dating and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, here, let me show you how to block this guy. And I literally blocked him on your phone for you. And I was yeah. like, that's how you do it. Yeah. I so, didn't know you could do that back then. Uh, I thought you had to call Verizon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have him be upfront with a girl, but also set boundaries with the mom. Yeah, um, okay, from a girl's perspective, she's going to be your mother-in-law. So what you need to think of is what if this doesn't change? What if you guys end up getting married and she's still trying to be involved in the ex-girlfriend's life? That's a huge disrespect. I think you need to you know, lay down the law, create some boundaries now before it's too late because she can be damaged. She just needs to understand that by her hurting you is going to just draw her son away from her farther. And does she want to see your guys' future kids, her future grandkids? Option C, next time you're at her house, she puts her phone down, you grab her phone, you delete the other chick's number out of it, and you block her on all social media. That's a good one, too. And then quickly put it back. Yeah. Nobody knows. Get her really saucy. 
get her to pass out, put her finger or use her face to unlock her phone and then do all of that. That's just our joking answer. But really, you really need to set some boundaries because that is really inappropriate and highly disrespectful. I would not be okay with that and I would lay down the law and create boundaries immediately. All right, this next question says, can you give advice about communication in a relationship? So like we said, premarital counseling should actually be considered like after year two or three of dating. Honestly, it should just be couples counseling. And I think there's a lot of negative connotation to counseling. I feel like everyone thinks, oh, if I need counseling, there's something wrong with me. When... We all need to be open-minded and learn. We need to be sponges like we were as children. We need to accept to learn new things. Yeah, I was going to say, look into doing a counseling thing or um, just always remember to be completely open and like speak speak what's on your mind, even if you think it's going to be an argument and lead to a fight. Like have the fight. but like we said, do it behind closed doors. There's no need to do it in front of other people. But have the fight. And I always have to remind Brittany, uh, as a guy, scientifically our brains react slower. So if you're saying something to a guy, you know, be patient with him. Let him think about it. And don't try to get 15 answers out of him at one time. Um, yeah, so like you're processing like a computer... If you have too much memory on the hard drive, the processor is going to process things slower. Yeah. So just like men, unfortunately, and this is what I ta- you learn, you taught me and I learned from you is that I need to tell you what's hurting me and what I'm concerned about. And then I need to let you think it through and then we can have a conversation about it. Yeah, one of the things we, I think we kind of had it figured out before we did counseling, but we really figured it out after we started counseling was um, you you start the conversation, hey, and, but like almost like you're writing a, a paper for school. You say like, hey, this is what I want to talk to you about. I'm going to talk and then I'm going to hand you the talking baton. Yeah. You know, so lay out all of your stuff and then say, what do you think about that? And please respond. And then don't interrupt when they're giving their response. And try and not to be defensive. And that's how you keep it civil. But like I said, if if it leads to a fight, have the fight. <laughs> have the fight and then move on because you'll be better for it. Yeah, I think in our premarital counseling, they would say, this is the issue that I'm having. And this is how I feel because when you state how you feel, they should not be getting defensive. And if they're getting defensive, you need to say, no matter what you say, this is how I feel. You can't change it because right now you're making me hurt. I am sad and I'm scared. They cannot change that. They cannot explain that because that is your feeling. So then they need to understand, okay, I'm making this person scared and sad and afraid and doubtful. I need to be more understanding. A key to communication is empathy on both sides. Okay. 
Are you ready for the next question? There's going to be two more. Yeah, lay it on me. Okay. Tips on how to keep the spark going in the relationship. Okay. So we don't have like, I don't want to give good advice for like, I mean, not good advice. I don't want to give advice for keeping the spark alive because I think. My my best advice for keeping the spark shouldn't. The spark shouldn't really go out, number one. Yeah. Uh, that's where, like, you know, don't force it. But it's pretty easy to keep the spark alive. Like, if you feel like things are, like, getting dull, that's why they why they say in every, you know, old-timey people, and they're like, oh, how'd you keep your marriage alive for 70 years? And they're like, oh, we never stopped dating. You know? Just, just go on dates. Sometimes Brittany and I will be, like, a little lazy, and we literally just go to the movie theater and have dinner. Like, that's a super easy date, but at the end of the day, I think both of us feel a little bit better and a little bit closer, yes. and then you have something new to talk about for at least 30 minutes of your life instead <laughs> oh, of just the same story about work every single day, and yeah, just just go on dates with each other, have dinner, and try to have a conversation. Yeah, I think, okay, when I read that question, I think, okay, keeping the spark as in, like, maybe butterflies and fireworks have gone out i totally agree with woody like the flame should never go out it could you have to think of your flame as like a gaslit flame not anything of like lighting wood on fire it's going to go out you it needs to be gas so you're turning the gas up or you're turning the gas down um and that should be your type of spark flame in your relationship so you got to change it up if the spark or if the flame in your relationship is starting to get smaller and smaller and smaller you got to change it up that means you both are too comfortable whatever you guys are doing if you guys are going on dates that date is not working anymore you gotta okay what's happening in the city that you live in what what's the next event get excited about something start creating something together for us like we are constantly doing something new and I think it helps that I'm a very creative person so like I'm constantly keeping our relationship interesting and you're spontaneous and I'm a planner so it keeps our relationship very much alive because I'll I think that like I understand what you're going to do next and all of a sudden you surprise me. So our spark is constantly lit and alive. But when we've had times, I I want to say like the only like bad time was before quarantine and then during the beginning of quarantine is when our flame started to go out. But that was because we couldn't do anything and we had just started premarital counseling. I think... When people say how to keep the spark alive, it's more of a sexual thing. Do you agree? Um, yes, but I think a lot of times, like if you're if you're if your spark is alive, like you're gonna have a good sex life, you know? Yeah. Everyone talks about like their sex life and what's normal. So some people, you just need to be completely comfortable with telling your partner what your normal is my normal is this this and this you know so when we were in premarital counseling we learned how to communicate our sexual needs 
So when a spark is starting to fade in a relationship and it's technically because of sexual needs and wants aren't being matched by the other person, you just need to be open. Like, do not, you need to not care about what your partner is thinking if you just say what you want. Just say what you want. Do not be scared about it. Yeah. It's better to be blatantly honest with your sexual needs then that should be like letting easi- your flame go out that should be like one of the easiest things you can talk about because like if you trust the person enough to have sex with you in the first place you should be able to trust them enough to say whatever you want about how you want to have that experience um also something our counselors told us is like if you feel like your spark is going out and like you're not having sex put it on a calendar like it feels weird and I think we went through a phase like that, like really quickly. But it was because of the counseling, and yeah. it was it. Like they told us to try it out. It was awkward to unravel things that we never talked about, that we never thought we needed to talk about in counseling until we were in it, and then it was causing somewhat of awkward divide in our sex life, which like sucks. But like everyone goes through it. And I think that, like, it was, like, the following week where we talked about, you know, your, a, se- a healthy married sex life and the needs and wants and communicating it. Yeah. And you just got to be open and, you know, be very specific. And if it's scheduled, it's scheduled and you need to get over it. Unfortunately, life gets busy and you have to schedule things. Sometimes you just need that release and <laughs> the love will come back on its own. Really quickly, I will also say, just read the that book that everybody reads, The Five Love Languages. Do the little quiz. Find out what your partner's love language is and do that stuff for them when the spark is going out. And, it you know, it builds it right back up. Yes. Yes. We're going to have another episode of me and you just talking about this because there are so many questions that we're over our two-hour limit and I definitely want to get to all of them eventually but we're going to do two more um can you also give advice about what to do when you are angry at your partner so like I said men process things a little bit slower it's not like a knock on men obviously shout out to my boys but (laughs) Uh, scientifically, we we generally process things slower than women. Uh, that's why we usually talk slower, and women are always chatting. Um, so make sure you give each other time to consider what's making you upset, what's making you angry. Give each other time and space to process what's happening. And I then, think location, location, location yeah what is happening in the present you need to go back to like the anxiety therapist thoughts what are you looking at what is happening around you what's the trigger you need to not be reactive either you need to okay if a crap ton of people are around us and he just embarrassed me in front of everyone you need to play it off and the second he goes off and walks by himself to go get another drink, you follow him and you say, by the way, what you just did, not okay. When we get home, I would like to talk about it. Or 
we need to talk about it tomorrow. And you are not letting, no matter what, this is what I've learned with like anger management. And I, I didn't go to counseling for anger management, but in our premarital counseling, they talk about managing anger and do not allow one little split second ruin your moment that you're having right now. I also had to explain this a bunch to Brittany when we first started dating because Brittany was the first girl that I ever seriously dated. So I had no idea what I was doing in a relationship and I would piss her off all the time. And she'd be like, why are you doing this? You did this on purpose. You're trying to hurt me. And I had to tell her like, hey, look, it's super important for you to take a step back, look at it from my perspective really quick and consider, did I, did I, or did in your, whatever your situation is, did your partner do something specifically to hurt you or did they do it by accident and they didn't know you were going to take it that way? Like, did they straight up say like, yeah, I don't think you look good in those jeans and your ass looks fat. Or do they say, oh yeah, you know, I like the other pants more. And then you're offended because of that. You have to consider what the other person's motive is for doing something. Are they intentionally doing it to be mean or did they do it on accident? And then that's how you know if you're with the right person. If they're doing it intentionally to hurt you, run. they're unhealthy for you. If they're intentionally doing it because they're jealous, run. <laughs> then you're not with the right person. If they're trying to be nice to you and try to not upset you, but they know no matter what they say, like how you said, I like the other ones better, at the beginning... I did not know that you were just trying to be nice. I just thought, well, what's wrong with these? I always thought of it as negative instead of he's just trying to be nice. Or if they embarrass you in public by correcting you, saying drowning. (laughs) Are they trying to make fun of you and make sure everybody looks at you and knows you said a word wrong? Or Which, by the way, when you would correct me, I didn't say it in front of everyone. But when we went home, I'd be like, why do you always correct me? It's so rude and so mean. But then you told, explained to me that I don't want other people to think of you as, oh my gosh, she's so smart. And then she says one thing wrong and then backtrack all of that. And that's when I understood, like, you're actually looking out for me. You're not trying to embarrass me. Yeah. So give time to process and look at intention. Next question. Okay. What's it like having an awesome mother-in-law? I wouldn't really know. You know, my mother-in-law's about average. (laughs) She's okay, I guess. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, No, it's super awesome. Um, The other day I was having a conversation with Brittany about uh, how... She was like, "Mm, my mom, uh, you know, I I told her not to come over as much because she was over here too much. And I was like, man, last time your mom was over, she was here for like two minutes and I invited her inside. You weren't even around and she didn't want to come in. Felt weird. I thought she didn't like me, but no, um, no, no. I I love my mother-in-law. It's awesome to have uh, a mother-in-law who is uh, almost like my wife's best friend, you know, um, one of the homies we were talking about boundaries and how the only way it's fair is if we created boundaries equally for my parents and your parents 
And so I specifically, you know, lay down the law, like I specifically said with that first question is you got to create boundaries when you are in a committed relationship. You are no longer just up one person dating this person. You are a unit, a united front, and it's just the two of you now, and it's the two of you creating your new family. No one should be intruding and coming in. You need to create boundaries. And so I made it clear because my mother-in-law doesn't live here, so I don't have to worry about her just showing up. And I knew she, I know she won't just show up, but because my mom, your mother-in-law, lives 15 minutes away, I wanted to make it clear and create boundaries and say, Mom, we love you, but I want to make it clear that it's not just okay to show up. In fact, I don't think it's okay for anyone to just show up at someone's house and ring the doorbell and think it's okay that they're that's to me that's highly intrusive like you didn't even consider what was happening in my life and you just show up so what if they're just in the neighborhood you can call down the street and say hey i'm in the neighborhood not ding dong i'm here so i think creating boundaries is the most healthy way of communicating with people and some people might think it's very aggressive and hurtful those people are the ones that need more boundaries and the people who accept boundaries are the healthy ones that you should keep around in your life and close to you also the great thing about having an awesome mother-in-law is when you are going through anything with your partner, the awesome mother-in-law is a great resource. You don't necessarily have to go into full detail on what's happening, but as that person's mother, they have been through all the shit with that little girl or little boy long before you were going through their shit, and they know exactly what to do and exactly what's going on with them, so... Uh, if you have an awesome mother-in-law, utilize them as a resource any chance you get. All right. I think that's a good spot to end this. Um, thank you guys so much for sticking it out with us. This is very, this is our longest recorded episode. Um, there's more questions for me and Woody and our relationship and relationship advice in general. Like we are... Everyone always says we're the perfect couple and we both are like, we are not the perfect couple, but thank you. Um, and we definitely are still learning each other after six and a half years. Yeah. Yep. So I just want that to be clear. Like we love each other so much. We both agreed that we will fight for each other no matter how hard life is gets we're going to be each other's partner through it and not against each other um so just being honest and i just want to thank you guys for sticking out and listening all the way to the end and so i want to go in with my closing which is if you made it this far in the episode you are an honorary sutherland girls groupie 
if you are on Instagram, please go ahead and search Sutherland Girls in the Explore page and please follow us. We do appreciate every one of you. And if you're on TikTok, we are also at Sutherland Girls. Go ahead and hit the follow button. Um, We are going to continuously post about any episodes and anything we've talked about within the episode. So it's important that you listen to the episodes along with following us because you will be lost without hearing or seeing one or the other. Um, And then you are obviously on Spotify because that is where you're listening to our beautiful voices this week. So go ahead and scroll all the way to the top on our Sutherland Girls page and click the follow button. That will actually notify you every time we post a new episode like this one that you're listening to. We appreciate you guys so much. We are growing so fast. I cannot believe how many comments we got today. And we're just excited to keep the podcast growing. Do you want to say any last words? Thank you for listening to my somewhat monotone voice. I appreciate it. You can find me on Xbox, Big Woody in real life. No. Mic drop. Oh my gosh. (laughs) All right. Other than that, we love you guys so much. Bye.